Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is Session 21. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and on. I'm very excited about this because the, this, these verses that we're going to look at today cement the idea that Christ started one church and gave that church the authority to, uh, to govern. Um, and uh, that idea has caused a lot of problems within Christianity over the last 500 or so years. But uh, we will unpack that today. So unless you're driving, turn to Matthew chapter 15, excuse me, Matthew chapter 16, and we'll begin with uh, verse 13. It says, When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they're a little clueless at this point, even though they've seen miracles, etc. They replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. Remember, Elijah is supposed to bring the, uh, the, announce the coming of the Messiah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And I imagine uh, 11 of them were kind of looking at their shoes. They don't want to sound stupid. Um, but that never bothered Peter. <laughs> so Peter says, Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter. Okay, let's stop right there. There is a name change here. His name was Simon, and it is now being changed to Peter, which means rock. Why is that important? We'll see that uh, moment momentarily. But there are only three times in the entire Bible, two in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, where God changes somebody's name. The first of them is in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, where God changes Abram's name to Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. The second time is also in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, when God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Israel means one who struggles with God, but Jacob is also the father of the 12 men who would ultimately be the 12 tribes of Israel. So he's made a leader. So each of those first two times we've seen when God changes someone's name, he changes them into the leader of his people. And now we have the third, that being uh, God, Jesus, of course, also God, changes Simon's name to Peter. So you're going to be the father, one of the early, the church father, if you will. You are going to lead this, lead this church. And uh, so that is so important. Now you might say, well, what about uh, Saul? You know, he changed his name from Saul to uh, Paul. Uh, doesn't say God did that. Um, uh, 
Paul did that as kind of a marketing move, if you will, because he was going to be speaking to the Gentiles. Saul is a Jewish name. Paul is a Greek equivalent name. He knows he's going to be speaking to a lot of Greek speakers. So he did that for marketing reasons. God did not change Saul's name. You won't find that in the text. But here, God, Jesus, changes Peter's name. Um, and that's very, very significant. Okay, we'll see why in, in a moment. So I say to you, you are Peter. So underline in this whole verse, all these, all, all these verses from, let's say, 18 on in crayon, circle the word Peter. And upon this rock, okay, why did he change his name to Peter? Peter, Petros, means rock, okay? So you're a rock, all right? And upon this rock, I will, circle the word will, because Jesus isn't going to start the church right there. Why? Because Peter's not ready for the task yet. As we will see, he has his moments of doubt, and he will recover from them. So it's not starting right here. Uh, or I, I should say it's not starting right now, but it will be starting. Upon this rock, I will, so circle that word will, and you know, it's not yet, build my church. Now, how many churches is he talking about here? He's talking about, I will build my church. I will build one church. He didn't say, I will build one of 30,000 equally valid denominations. Jesus is very specific. He says, I will build my church. And this is the first of only two times that the word church is used in the Gospels. The other being uh, later in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus um, is talking about the, the, the church again. And he says, you know, if there's any disputes, take it to the church, you know, etc. So, um, this is very important. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. So here we are 2000 years later, other denominations have come and gone and the Catholic church, despite all the problems, despite all of the controversies, uh, the Catholic church remains here and it will until the end of time because Christ promised the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Okay, but that's that's not all. He doesn't just say I'm starting my church and then, by the way, I'm going to die in a couple of years and I'm out of here and you'll have to figure it out on your own. He says, I, in verse 19, I will, so, so circle the word will because it's not happening yet, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Okay, what does that mean? All right, well, when you have the keys to something, then you're kind of in charge of that something, right? He goes on further and he says, whatever you bind on earth, and he's talking to Peter, shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. Okay, so uh, our Protestant friends would say, well, He's, Jesus didn't say he's building the church on uh, Peter um, as, as leader. They would say that he built the church on Peter's confession that uh, Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that is what Jesus is building the church on. That's what they would say. 
To which I would reply, okay, then why the name change? Okay, and and if he if he wanted to change his name, why did he change it to Peter Petros Rock? Right before he says, "Upon this rock I will build my church." I mean, why not change his name to Asparagus or Skinny or uh, Dumb One or something like that? Right? No, specifically to Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. So there can be no doubt that Jesus intended for Peter to take the reins, if you will, of his church. It doesn't put Peter at the level of Christ or God or anything, but yet there is going to be a human representative that will guide God's church throughout the rest of of history. And that just makes sense, right? Uh, As we said in session one, um, the very first session, Jesus built his church, started his church, not just for his time, but for all time. Jesus knew that he would die on the cross for us and would not be there physically as a man after his mortal death. And so it only makes sense that he would want someone to take charge. And so he's going to give him the keys to the kingdom. Well, uh, the power to to bind and, and loose. And what is what do those keys represent? Well, again, we said keys represent control, ownership, etc. And it's understood that when Peter is to pass on, he is to pass on those keys to the next uh, person, if you will, who will guide the church. We call this process apostolic succession, and that has been the case for the last two thousand years, where each pope has then passed on the keys to the kingdom to the next pope. We will, we've talked a little bit in the past, and we will talk again in the future, about the uh, nature of the papacy and how the Holy Spirit, which we haven't quite gotten to Christ giving the Holy Spirit to this church yet, but we will get there, how the Holy Spirit will prevent the church from teaching error on matters of faith and morals. So that's very important. Does it say the church will be perfect? No. In fact, it'll be the opposite. Uh, Christ will warn as we go on in our our readings over the next few weeks of of false doctrines uh, and uh, false prophets and things of that nature. But um, Christ will uniquely prevent this church when it gets started from teaching on error, teaching error on matters of faith and morals. Okay. And this is so important that you have an earthly authority. Um, scholars agree that Jesus' sayings can be summed up in about, mm, I think about 1,900 verses was what I read. So 1,900 verses is not very much. It would be the equivalent of roughly a, a one of the Gospels, okay, at, at most. The things that are attributed to Jesus' saying, all right? And yet, he's, he's, it is said that he spent about three years, give or take, with these uh, apostles. Do you think that he had more to say to them than just the 1,900 verses that are recorded in Scripture, which you could read in, you know, probably a good lunch hour, even including the... Uh, 
well, maybe a, a good long lunch hour, even including the duplicates in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus is attributed to the, you know, the same, uh, the same words in all three Gospels. Okay, so uh, why any name change? Again, showing leadership. Why is the name changed to Peter versus some other thing? Because Peter's going to be the, the rock. Um, so he says, I will build my church, but um, it's not going to happen yet. Peter's got a little more education to go. And, uh, you know, ultimately, why Peter? I'm going to include a handout with this that um, my producer will uh, hopefully be able to give you a, a visual on that uh, will give you more verses that show the primacy of Peter. You heard me say a few weeks ago, Peter's name was mentioned, I believe it's 195 times in the New Testament, which is far more than all the other apostles, the original 12, combined. Okay, so that's that's just uh, one of the uh, of the reasons. So um, anyway, so we'll move on with that. But why is it so essential that we have an earthly authority? Why can't we just have the Bible alone and let everybody make up their own minds? Uh, again, I'll use the analogy that I, I mentioned in the uh, in the first session of the analogy of the Bible with the U.S. Constitution, if you will. And what if we had, uh, what if everyone in Jesus' time was given a Bible and let's further assume um, that they were all able to read it. And then Jesus said, okay, I'm going to check out after I am on the cross and you guys figure it all out for yourselves. Well, first of all, the New Testament did not exist at that moment, but uh, New Testament didn't reach its final form until perhaps as long as 65 years after the death of, of Christ. But what would happen is you would have people arguing about what the Bible means. People over time have used the, the Bible, even the New Testament, as, <clears throat> as a um, way to justify things such as slavery things such as polygamy, things such as abortion, etc., uh, etc. Et the list goes on. Bottom line, without an earthly authority to pronounce on doctrine, the Bible becomes whatever the reader wants it. You, you can read something into it. You, you end up uh, beginning with the end in mind. You end up uh, reading it as a way to justify your thoughts. That's not how it works. Jesus established the papacy um, with these words, although the papacy won't take place until Christ's death. And so we recognize that uh, we have an earthly authority that we, that we follow. So uh, when, when thinking of doctrines, um, we, we, we are not permitted it says elsewhere, in fact, Peter says elsewhere, uh, uh, no scripture is a matter of, a, of someone's personal interpretation, right? We submit to the church in this regard. I know that's not popular in 21st century in America to submit to anyone or anything, but Christ is saying right here, um, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail uh, against it, against this new church. 
and I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So that's pretty powerful stuff, I think. Um, then, so a Protestant might make this further um, objection. It says um, later on in, in this same chapter, verse 21, immediately after that, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Okay, so he's laying it out. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He, Jesus, turned in verse 25 and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. And when I was in the Protestant world, that was a verse that I would use. Because when a Catholic would say, well, you know, Peter was named the rock. You know, he's upon this rock, I will build my church. He's going to be the authority. And I'd say, well, okay, if you want to go with names. Well, in verse 23, Jesus calls Peter Satan. <laughs> so I would say to my Catholic friends, well, this, this clearly, this name change couldn't mean anything. And they would walk away because they wouldn't think of what to say to that. Again, Jesus doesn't name him Satan. He's saying, the thought that I cannot, that I should not do what I am destined to do, you know, die on the cross for the salvation of man, is a satanic thought. He did not name Peter Satan. And we also see that uh Jesus continues to refer to him as Peter, as do the other Gospels, as do the, uh, the rest of the New Testament, either Peter or his Greek name Cephas, etc., which means uh, rock as, as well. So um, anyway, Peter's got a little uh, learning to do yet, but it is clear that he will be the earthly pastor, if you will, of the church that Christ will start once Peter's education is through. And with that in mind, this session is about through. So let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have provided us a framework with which to make our decisions in life. And that framework is the church. We know that the church um, can pronounce on things that were not even considered as possible in in the time of uh, in in your time on earth here because uh, advances in science need moral responses um, and so we thank you that we can trust this institution and we trust it because it is the institution that you started and gave the power to to um, to perform so we thank you for that. Help us to mold our lives to the teaching of the church, the one church that you instituted. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, join us again on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. <laughs>